Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Katie. And um, it's great to, uh, great to be in worship uh, with, you, uh, with you today. In uh, 2015, um, in uh, Chiapas, uh, Mexico, um, there was a drought. And, um, and after, uh, as the drought was going on, something incredible um, happened or something incredible was seen. And um, you're going to see a picture um, here. That, that's, a, that's a church. And uh, that church was 100 feet underwater. Um, and when the drought happened, the waters began to recede and the church began to, uh, to emerge. We really emerge in, um, be- because the waters began to recede. Now, this wasn't the first time. In 2002, uh, the waters had receded so much that you didn't see any of that water. People were actually, they actually walked through the building. They ate um, at the building. A fisherman said, hey, I cooked fish for people. They processed around the building. And nobody knew that um, that, that building had been 100 feet under water. And so it began to emerge. It began to, um, uh, we began to see uh, what that uh, would look like. Now, this, this is interesting to me because people are wondering, um, what is the role of the church today? What is the role of the church in my life? Um, I feel the, the, the church, the modern-day church, is 100 feet underwater with no relevancy to my life. Can't see it, don't want to see it. The, when I think of the church, I, uh, I don't think of it's a place where we come and we are uh, encouraged to go back out to actually make disciples. And so I think the modern-day church feels like it's 100 feet underwater, out of sight, and wondering if um, what is the role in the modern day? Is, it, is this old shell of a building, or is it something more? Uh, I think this reminds us, this serves as a reminder for us that the church can emerge. The, the church can emerge from the waters of complacency and boredom and irrelevancy. And the church can once again be everything that God calls the church to be. And, um, and, I, and I think that in order for us to see the relevancy of it, the, in order to see how it emerges and how it can emerge once again, I think we have to go all the way back to the beginning. We have to go all the way back to the beginning when God gave us humanity the first word. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to um, Genesis chapter 1. You really can't get lost, can't get lost here. So it's the first page, Genesis 1, Genesis 1. I think we have to go back to God's first word to see how you and I, the modern day church, can emerge once again from the depths of darkness, from the depths of water. So God's, this is God's first word to humanity, Genesis 1:28. It says, and God blessed them. That's a very, very powerful word or phrase, and God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve and created them in his own image, created Adam in his own image, and, um, and then he blessed them. 
And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's first word to humanity was blessing and approval. His first word is blessing and approval. The blessings that God gave uh, to Adam and Eve, the first one is a blessing of stewardship. And so when we talk about this whole idea, God blessed Adam and Eve, God blessed them, and it was, wasn't merely for their benefit. It was literally, when we talk about stewardship, it is God blessing us to take care of all that he created. It is God blessing us, giving us management over everything that he's created in the world that he's placed in our hands. It is a responsibility and a privilege. It is, it is a responsibility and privilege to nurture all that God has blessed us with. It is a blessing to take care of the things of God. It is a blessing to take care of the things that God has placed in our care. It is not a burden. It is a blessing because God says, I think enough of you, and I think you're responsible enough to handle what I give you. And so this first blessing is the blessing of stewardship, the blessing of taking care of the things that God has given us. But I think there's a second blessing that we see here when he says he blessed them, and then he says, I want you to uh, be fruitful and multiply. So the second blessing that God gives when he says, I blessed them, is, to, um, is technically to make babies. That's really what it is, to make babies, and I want you to teach them, and I want you to represent me to them, so when you send them out into the world, they too will represent me as well. So the second blessing is procreation physically. That's, that's, that's the immediate context of this passage. But I think it extends beyond just physical procreation. I think there's this sense where God says, I want you to multiply my presence in the world. I want you to multiply my goodness in the world. I want you to multiply my kindness in the world, multiply my mercy in the world. So he says, when he says he blessed them, and he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, yes, to make children, to have babies, but I think it goes beyond that to say you are pressed into the world, you're going out into the world, and when you show up at your job, there ought to be the presence of God there. When you show up in your neighborhood, when you move into a neighborhood, guess what? Your pre- the God's presence in you ought to fill the neighborhood. When you walk into a meeting, the meeting ought not get worse. The meeting ought to get better because you have shown up there. You and I are called and sent out into the world to multiply the presence of God in the world, to multiply his goodness in the world, to multiply his grace in the world. So we see God blessing uh, Adam with stewardship, the blessing of stewardship, the blessing of fruitfulness and multiplication. We multiply his compassion and kindness in the world. But there's this idea, the blessing of subduing and 
dominion. Now, this doesn't, we, we kind of get this word, these phrases kind of misconstrued, or we misconstrue them, and we think that I can dominate another person, and I can subdue another person. Men might say that I think I, oh, this means that I can dominate women. That's not what this text is saying. One race of people might say, yeah, God has said we can dominate other races of people. That's not what this text is saying, that, that, that we can dominate and have and subdue all the things and place them under our feet. What this simply means is that God has given us the responsibility and privilege of leadership in the world, responsibility to steward the world well. That, that, that we lead with compassion and we lead with grace and we lead with love. And when we subdue it and do, uh, have dominion over the earth, it is taking care of all that God has given us. It is being environmentally conscious. It is, yes, it means recycling. It does mean all of those things of taking care of your lawn, more personally, my lawn and uh, and your house and my house, it means that all that God has given us, we are called to manage his handiwork, ensuring human flourishing. When God says he blessed them, it's the blessing of stewardship, the blessing of fruitfulness and multiplication, and the blessing of subduing and having dominion. So the, God's first word to humanity wasn't condemnation. So for those of you who are struggling with the God of the universe and he condemns and he judges and he shames, no, the first word to humanity wasn't judgment. It wasn't condemnation. It wasn't shame. The first words to humanity was, I will bless them. The first word to humanity is, it is the blessing of stewardship, the blessing of multiplication. God gave us this amazing responsibility. It wasn't judgment and condemnation and shame. It was blessing and approval. So God gave this first word to Adam. Then he gave uh, another word, the same word, to a different person. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 12 Verses 1 through 3. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. And this is um, God uh, begins a relationship with another man by the name of Abraham. His name is Abram in the text here. But just to keep from saying Abraham, to, uh, Abram, Abraham, Abram, Abraham. We're just going to make it Abraham, all right? Just, we know that. It's Abraham. He builds a relationship with this man. And, um, and he says... Uh, his name was later changed to Abraham, and he initiates a relationship with him. And the same word that he gave Adam, he now gives this man Abraham. It's a word of blessing. Listen to the text. It says, this is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. And in you, all the families of, of the earth shall be blessed. So this marks a very, very significant uh, time in, the, in biblical history where God gives a covenant. He 
him and, uh, him and Abraham made a covenant with one another. And this is called the Abrahamic co covenant. So anyone who comes after Abraham in faiths like Abraham and trusts God like Abraham, they're called Abraham's children. They're called, Abraham is considered the father of faith because everyone who comes after him who trusts God the, trusts God the way he does, they will too be blessed. But God gives Abraham uh, this amazing and uh, unnerving directive. He says, hey, what I want you to do, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your kindred. I want you to leave your father's house. And I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. I want you to leave your comfort zone. And I want you to trust me for me to take you where I need you to go. And Abraham does it. He actually, he actually leaves his comfort, the comfort of his family, the comfort of his neighborhood, the comfort of his community. He leaves it all, and he says, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to take me wherever you want me to go because I don't, I don't fully understand it all, but you've called me to trust you. And I believe there are people in this room where God has called you. And I, I believe in order for us to experience the blessing of God, to experience the blessing that God has for us, and we're, when we talk about blessing, we're not just, we're not talking about, not just talking about uh, God blessing us materially. We're talking about having this communion, this relationship with God. And I think sometimes when God wants to bless us, he calls us away from comfort. When God wants to use us, when God wants to use us to bless other people, he calls us away, away from our comfort zone. He calls us away from our friends, the ones that we know and the ones that we're comfortable with, and he calls us into new communities. He calls us into neighborhoods and networks and needs that we might not have ever thought of. And there are people in this room, myself included, I love comfort. I love being comfortable, and yet sometimes if we want to be on mission for God, he calls us out of our comfort zone just like he did Abram. He calls us to leave behind the familiar and to take a path that is unknown. He calls us to embrace his commands and demands, to trust him with unwavering faith. It really is about surrender. It's about you and me surrendering something that we hold on to and submitting to his divine plan and his purposes for our lives. And for many of us in this room, we are, we, we are and I feel it, I know it, I'm just as afraid as you when I hear the voice of God call me into something different. He calls me into something that is scary, Maybe he's calling you to start a, uh, to meet with some people on your job and to begin praying with them. That's a scary thing, but maybe God is calling you. Maybe God is calling you to start a Bible study where you work or in your neighborhood. That's a scary thing. And yet Abraham says, listen, you're asking me, God, to leave everything, and I will trust you. And so there's this sense where, where God calls us to something. He calls us to the unknown but it's, it's a life, he says, I want to bless you. And I think Jesus pulls on this thread. He pulls on this thread in John chapter 10, verse 10, and this is what it says. He says, the thief comes uh, only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it to have it abundantly. Another translation is have it to the full. This is really Jesus saying all that God had for humanity from the beginning. It's been God's intention, God's design, and God's desire to bless humanity from the beginning. And Chapter 3 happened in Genesis where we fell away and, and God began restoring what was broken. Jesus comes onto the scene and says, all that my father planned from the beginning, I am now here to cause you to experience the fullness of everything the father has for you. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill, but I come that you might live and have it, have life to the full. This abundant life, this abundant life, this blessed life actually absolutely transcends circumstances. In fact, there, to, before, if, uh, so there's no confusion that the blessed life and the abundant life, it doesn't mean that you and I won't suffer and you and I won't have pain and you and I uh, will not um, have these seasons of drought. What it does mean the abundant life, the blessed life that God tells Adam as well as Abram, uh, Abraham, it does mean that while you're going through it, you have someone with you to sustain you in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the grief. Abundant life is not just health and wealth. The abundant life is not just money and cars and houses. The abundant life is a relationship with our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. Embracing this life actually begins with embracing Jesus as Savior. So, so there's this sense where God says, it's been, my, it's been my desire from the beginning to bless humanity. And we like that, don't we? We love for God to bless us. God, would you please bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. We love that, don't we? Who in, this world, who in this room don't like the blessing of God? I don't think anybody. And I think everybody in this room would say, you know something, man, I, like, God, I'm praying, I'm right now, would you please answer my prayer and bless me? I think that's a good prayer to pray. But I think it's an incomplete prayer to pray. And here's Why? When we say, Lord, bless me, that's only half the verse. So I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will, everybody say it, bless you. Everybody wants that. And make your name great. I want that. So that you will what? Be a blessing. So we get trapped in the first part of the verse. We get trapped in the first part of the verse and we say, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. And then we run away when he blesses us. 
But there's a whole nother part to this verse that, 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 that God gives Abraham. He says, I am blessing you. I am going to make your name great. I am going to, I'm going to give you the blessing of stewardship. I'm going to give you the blessing of multiplication and fruitfulness. I'm going to give you the blessing of all these things that I gave to Adam. But the only reason I'm giving it to you is so that you might bless other people so that you might be a conduit for other people. I think we get it twisted. I think we get it twisted. I think we get it twisted in a sense that God is blessing me for me, and God is blessing me, and God is blessing you for other people. Well, wait a minute, God. I didn't sign up for that. I just signed up for you to bless me. You mean to tell me that I am going to have to give some stuff away? to bless others? Oh, they didn't tell me that when I signed up for the membership class. Yet there's this sense where we can and should bless others. God tells Abraham, listen, I am not blessing you to be a hoarder. I am not blessing you so that the blessings might stop with you. I am blessing you and Sarah that you might bless the world. This is crazy. You know the reason why it's crazy? God says to Abraham that I'm going to, there are going to be many descendants that flow through you. You know the crazy part was? Is that um, Abraham was 75 when he got this promise. And the promise wasn't fulfilled until he was 100 and his wife was 99. Do you see how long he had to trust God? So sometimes we're instant, give me the blessing, give me the blessing, give me the blessing, give me the blessing now. And sometimes as God says, hey, listen, I'm going to take you through some things so you might appreciate the blessing that I place on your life. And so he says, I am going to bless you that you might bless others. And I believe that God wants to bless us emotionally and spiritually and mentally so that we might not be selfish with it but that we might be a blessing, that we might be blessed to be a blessing. Listen, as recipients of God's grace and God's love and God's kindness and God's generosity, we're to actually spread those to other people around us. I think God has blessed Trinity Church with all kinds of resources. Right in this room right now, there are all kinds of resources. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not talking materially. Yes, he's blessed us materially, but I believe he's blessed us with all kinds of resources to bless the world. I think he's blessed us with all kind of resources to bless the nations. I think he's blessed us with all kind of resources to bless this zip code, uh, 48911. I think he's blessed you with resources to bless your zip code and to bless your neighborhood and to bless the subdivision that you live in. I believe that God has blessed us so that we might bless the world. You know the kids who were, the, the students who were up here leading us in worship? They did a phenomenal job, didn't they? They did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And they're not just doing this, they're not just doing this on a Sunday, they're worshiping all the time. Trinity Church, we are blessed. We are blessed with student, student who can, students who can not only sing and play. We're blessed with Ben Diaz. We're blessed with other vocalists. We're blessed with Andrea Maynard. We're blessed literally with musicians out of this world. And if other churches want to poach, now listen, here it is. 
It's not poaching. It's actually sharing. These same students who were leading, they actually led worship at LCS on Friday, Lenten Christian Schools on Friday. And they led the entire school. Uh, I was kind of wondering, because my, my son was telling me, you know, he works there. I said, like, how did, like, didn't they have school? He said, yeah, I think their parents let them go and let them do this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that the parents did and they didn't. Even if the parents didn't, they were doing a good thing, right? They were doing a great thing. They were skipping school for a good reason. But they led the entire school in worship. Trinity Church should not be the only church and the only people who are blessed by these kids. Trinity Church should not be the only ones who are blessed by the people whom God has placed in our charge. We are stewards of all that God has blessed us with. And our job is to recognize that we are blessed to be a blessing. And when we don't wake up with that mindset, we have a tendency and we run the risk of privatizing our faith in God. So let me see if I can, let me see if I can illustrate this. See if I can illustrate this. That every day you and I wake up, we have a decision that we have to make. We have a decision that we have to make. And it's the same decision that, um, that Adam had to make and I think that Abraham had to make. And the decision is this. Am I going to be a conduit or am I going to be a container? Am I going to be a conduit? Everybody know what a conduit is. A conduit is kind of a, it's, it's a you, you can have an electrical conduit, you can have a water conduit, but the, the water conduit is placed, um, it, there's a main source, and the main source of water is flowing through the conduit, and it literally flows everywhere. So in your house right now, you have pipes, PVC pipes or conduits in your home right now, and you have a main source, the water is coming from the main source, and when you get ready to take a shower, that water, that literally, that, it's a conduit spreading the water around your entire house. There's a main right now in Lansing, and that water is flowing through pipes all over this place to your homes. And I think it's the same way. We have to make a decision. We have to make a decision. Am I going to be a conduit of God? This, this kind of feels like a, like a t-shirt cannon, doesn't it? Am I going to be a conduit of God's blessings? Like he told Abraham, Abraham, I am blessing you so that you might bless the world. But then there is the conduit life, but then here's the container life. The container life goes like this. So a conduit, the water flows through. Conduit receives, receives, and it releases. The container gets and stores. So you got to make a decision. I, and the people in this room right now, myself included, like, like I have, I have to repent, I have to confess and repent that God, I have lived the container life way too long. That God, I have said, this is the way we go, right? We say, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. God, bless me, bless me, bless me. God, bless me, bless me, bless me. And we get the blessing, 
and we put the top on and we walk around, I am blessed by God, I am blessed by God, I am blessed by God. I am blessed by God, I am blessed by God, I am blessed by God. I am blessed, I'm, so, I'm so sorry that you're not blessed like I am. I'm blessed by God, I'm blessed by God. And when God said, God said, I've never, I never blessed you as a container. Bless you to be a conduit. Right now, there are people in this room, people in this room, God is calling you, he's calling me, he's calling this church to be a conduit. But yet, we're living the container life. Now, the interesting thing about, interesting thing about a conduit, I was talking to a gentleman after service yes, uh, just, uh, just a few minutes ago. He said, Marvin, the, the interesting thing about a conduit, he said, when the water passes through, more water can come in. And the water that stays in the pipe stagnates. And I wonder if God is saying to you and me and to our church, I want to bless you, but, but you have hold up your life. You have hold, it up, hold up your life and the blessings can't get out. God says, listen, like, can you leave the container life? Stop hoarding my blessings. I've never blessed you for that reason. If you have a house, then you need to share it. If you have money, you need to share it. If you have time, listen, if you are retired, if you are retired, it's not like, well, I worked all these years and now I have my time. It was never your time from the beginning. It's God's time. And God said, you, yes, you're retired from working, but you're not retired from the kingdom. And he says, I blessed you with wisdom and I blessed you with all of this stuff so that it might pass through you. Some of you, God has sat with you in grief and sorrow, and, and, and you are a treasure trove of God's goodness and mercy and comfort, and you've just held on to it in the container. He says, hey, listen, would you tell somebody else who's lost a mother and a father what it's like? Maybe some of you have lost jobs. And, and God supplied and provided. And there's some people in our congregation and on your, in your space, in your world, who they've lost jobs as well. Wouldn't it be nice to be a conduit to say, hey, listen, I, I just simply want to tell you how God met me. Selfish to live a container life. So generous to live a conduit life. So he says, he says, man, I blessed you so that you might bless others. He says, I want you to be a conduit to bless the world. I want you to be a conduit to bring shalom to our neighborhoods. I want you to be a conduit to bless single mothers. I want you to be a conduit to help struggling students in school. I want you to be a conduit to provide gifts for children whose fathers are incarcerated. I want you to be a conduit uh, to, to actually provide hats, underwear, and gloves, and socks to kids who may not have them. I want you. God says, I want to bless the world, but I want to bless the world through my people. God is not going to come out of the sky. God is not going to come like, here it is. He says, I've given it to you 
so that it might pass through you to someone else. So I think we have to ask ourselves a question every day. Am I a conduit or a, or a container? How, do, how might this look? How might this look? Well, first of all, I, I think there is such a thing called blessing by association. Blessing by association. I think one way the world is blessed and one way the world was blessed through Abraham and his descendants is that when God blessed them, some of that blessing just naturally spilled on to other people. And I think that, that you and I, when God blesses us, when he blesses us with whatever it might be, materially or otherwise, there is spillover. And that spillover should spill over into somebody else's life, not just mine. A, a great example of this is Genesis chapter 39, verse 5. This is the life of Joseph. From the time, this is what it says, from the time that he made him overseer. That is, Potiphar made Joseph overseer. Potiphar was a leader in Egypt. From the time he made him overseer, check this out. His house and over, his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. Again, I can't quantify this. I don't have 50,000 stories, but I do know this, and I've seen it happen, that, that sometimes people in your orbit are blessed because you show up, because you speak. The text says that because of the way Joseph lived, and when you and I are aligned with the heart of God, when we show up in environments, the environment ought to get better. I think some businesses are blessed because godly Christians are there. I believe some neighborhoods are blessed because godly people live in those neighborhoods. You and I are called to be conduits. Whatever God has given you, share it with others. Whatever God has blessed you with, share with. The question is, what has he blessed you with? When you go home tonight or when you're on your way home, I want you to take an inventory. How has God blessed me? How has God blessed our family? How has God blessed our, how, how has God blessed us in terms of generation after generation after generation? What is it that we have that we can share with someone else? So that is a part of way of us saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, but also a way of helping human flourishing, gives opening doors uh, for us to tell people about Jesus. So a blessing by association. But I think there's also the blessing by example. One of the best ways that we, um, we saw um, Abra Abraham bless others it, and um, where Abraham and his descendants bless others is by the examples they, uh, by the examples they live. In other words, this is what faith looks like when things are tough. This is what faith, faith looks like when God gives you a promise and you're 99 and 100 and the promise still hasn't come. This is what it looks like and Abraham's life is an example. Your life is a public example of the faithfulness of God. All that God has brought you through. If we were to work the room right now, we would be here 
so long. Here's my story of how God showed up. Here is my story of how God was faithful. Here is my story of how God set me free from, from all these, uh, these vices. Here is my story of how God uh, helped me to get over my alcoholism. Here is my story how I got through divorce. Here is my story and my story and my story. Your life is a public record like Abraham's life is a public record of the faithfulness of God. And guess what? We need to hear those stories. Why? Because there's somebody right now who can't make it through, and they need flesh and blood to tell them this is the faithfulness of God. This is the way he has shown up. And, and again, we, we see this in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, so many examples of God's people trusting him. And then lastly, lastly, Blessing by relationship. The very cool thing about Abraham's story is, um, is that Abraham, the ultimate blessing that Abraham gives us is Jesus. Listen to the text. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Here it is, the son of Abraham. Matthew 1, verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation of Babylon, they were taken off to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. And then finally, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, now the promise, promises were spoken to Abraham and to his descendant, notice descendant, Scripture does not say, and to the descendants referring to many, but and to your descendant referring to one who is Christ. So the one blessing that Abraham gives us that outshines everything, that is Jesus. And the one thing that we have, my friends, if we don't have money, you may not have money, you may not have all the wealth, you may not have all of those things, but the one thing, if you are a follower of Jesus, the one thing you can give the world, like Abraham did, is we can give people Jesus. We can tell people how he changed our lives. We can tell people how he met us where we were and reshaped us, reshaped our thinking. That is all we have to give the world. It's to give them Jesus, to tell people about who he is, what he did. He died and he rose again. And right now, if you trust him and you believe in him, he'll save you too. There's no way I can justify before a holy God who says, I gave you love. Gave you grace, gave you mercy, gave you provisions. I carried you when you could not carry yourself. I spoke to you when nobody else would. I told you that I loved you. There's no way in the world, in the world that you can experience that and hold it in. There's no way we can experience that and say, like, like um, yeah, God, you love me, but I really don't want to share it with nobody else. 
God, you were so merciful to me and gracious to me. I'm just going to kind of keep it to myself, but I, uh, I'm not going to share it with anybody else. And I understand. I understand. So, well, Marvin, I'm, I'm afraid, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm afraid that people are going to talk about me. I'm afraid that, that, that people are going to look at me strangely. Well, 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 God says, listen, I, I gave you all of this so that you might share it with others. In fact, Jesus is smothering in here. Get him out of here. He's dying in, well, he, I mean, he died and rose again, but I'm just saying, like, like, he, like, he is, like, please let me out. This is, I'm serious. This is like, 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 why trap him in there when he says, would you please go out into the world, share my love with others. In fact, that's your mission. That's my mission. Every day we wake up, we have to answer the question. Am I going to be a conduit where his blessings pass through me or I'm going to be a selfish container hoarding the blessings of God? That's a decision you have to make. It's a decision I have to make. But I hope, I hope and I pray to God that Trinity Church will always be a conduit kind of church and not a church filled with containers. Amen? That's all I have. So um, I'm going to ask the prayer team and the elders and their wives and deacons and others to come up. If you have someone, if you have something to pray, you want you want to pray for some needs that you have. Um, thank you for trusting us. For those of you who fill out the prayer cards every week, thank you for trusting us with your prayers. Every Saturday, every Saturday morning, elders, deacons are praying for you. If you have someone, if someone is here and you want want someone to pray with you. Uh, these men and women are here right now. Let me pray for Let's stand. Let me pray for us. So, Father, as a church, we first of all say uh, forgive us for being containers. Forgive us for hoarding. Forgive us for being selfish. And there are many people in this room, God, you have blessed, and they, they are literally conduits. They are conduits literally passing your blessings along. Yeah, God, we, we, we repent of it. If, 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 if the moment we get stuck there, we repent of it, confess it, reveal it to us because we want to be a church that is blessed not to hoard, but blessed to bless others. That's our mission. You gave it to us. You gave it to us in Adam in the garden. You gave it to uh, Abraham. Uh, Jesus pulled on that thread to give us the abundant life so that abundant life might be shared with others. And now you have left it in our hands. And so may we not fumble the ball. And even if we do, we ask for your forgiveness. You, you are so such a gracious God. So I pray this week that you would truly make us conduits, whether it's through a word or a text or a card to someone, letting them know that, man, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. I just want you to know you can make it through. I just want to share, share part of my story with you because, man, God showed up in my life, and I know he can show up in yours as well. So thank you for these people. Thank you for, um, man, your love for us. And uh, we, we just ask that you would walk with us this week. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you all. Have a great week.